Because no two investors are the same, one size doesn't fit all. There's more to it. At S&P Dow Jones Indices, we offer index strategies for all types of investments. Comprehensive ESG solutions, core retirement strategies, multi-asset diversification, and new ways of thinking about risk management and income. They're all in one place. Express your investment views and give yourself the freedom to go anywhere with S&P Dow Jones Indices. Search Indexology on the web or hashtag Indexology on Twitter and LinkedIn. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people make friends, just trying to make some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. What really happens if there's no stimulus? I've heard numerous politicians argue the economy's strong enough. We don't need no stinking stimulus. Others have flat out told me I only want a stimulus package to save the stock market. Well, that's ridiculous. Today, we got an early glimpse of what happens if there's no bailout, no grants for struggling businesses. They can't benefit from low interest rates. And as far as the stock market's concerned, it's not the big a deal. Dow ultimately gained 52 points. S&P inched up 0.30%. NASDAQ advanced 0.37%. Full disclosure, I don't want a stimulus package to save the stock market. I want a stimulus package to save an industry I know all too well, the hospitality industry, which I can tell you from my ownership stakes in an inn and two restaurants is getting destroyed by the pandemic. Millions of jobs are on the line, but they reside in small businesses, ones that don't show up in the averages. But individual stocks sure do. And the winners on a day like today tell you everything you need to know about the losers in the broader economy, especially the biggest winner, which is the one I want to focus on. The winner is the stock of Darden, the owner of Olive Garden and Longhorn Steakhouse, along with some others, with a stock that surged 8% on a better-than-expected quarter, strongest stock in the S&P 500. Yes, I am telling you right now that the strength in the stock of Darden It should terrify you. Darden's winning because its private competitors can't cope with the COVID-19 economy. We're headed for a world where if you want to go out for dinner, you won't have many options other than some big chains with deep pockets. Olive Garden will be the height of fine dining. Why? Because Darden's big enough with a strong enough balance sheet that it can't, it, it can do just fine, it, 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 even in the age of social distancing. We learned today that they can shut down half their tables and still make money. So much money that they actually reinstated their dividend and also repaid a $270 million term loan that would strangle most smaller enterprises. These guys are on, on pace to be able to do almost exactly as well as they did before the pandemic. When I went through this morning's conference call, which was a wondrous thing, I was stuck by all the things that separate Darden from its small to medium-sized competitors that are hanging on by their fingernails. So let me take down all the reasons why you better learn to love the giant chicken parmigiana, limited time only, or the tour of Italy, the fettuccine Alfredo, or the giant cheese stuffed shells, all under $20, because without another stimulus bill, You're not going to get a lot of their options. It's infinite breadsticks all the way down in that unbelievable salad. First difference. Nearly every independent restaurant I know would immediately fold if they were told they could only have 25% of their tables open with no outdoor space. It's just not viable. If you don't have the technology or the power to cajole the delivery services into giving you a good deal or the parking spaces to handle takeout at scale, your goose scampi is cooked. 
Almost no private restaurants can cut costs enough to turn a profit under social distancing. And raising prices in this economy is simply out of the question. Plus, there's this aesthetic angle that I hadn't thought of until I read through this. If you're running at half capacity or less, you need to configure the tables in a nice way with barriers that don't make people feel like they're eating in a plexiglass walled bank. And that's expensive. When you look through Darden's excellent slide desk, you see beautiful booths with partitions. Believe me, independent restaurants can't afford to build or buy new furniture right now. But Darden was able to borrow a big slug of cash, fix up its stores to be safer and look better, and then make a bunch of money to repay the debt. Second, Olive Garden pivoted perfectly from indoor dining to takeout. How? They instituted order online, uh, pay online, car side pickup, aided by its bountiful parking lots and a great app. Now, that is a substantial investment, though. But Darden has the scale to do it. We often hear that term scale, but we don't spend enough time unpacking what it means. When, when you've got scale, people, you can afford to hire great web designers, buy new hardware for all your stores, new, uh, you know, new space dividers between each one. There's a lot that goes into making and installing those systems, though. And even if you've got the money, most restaurateurs didn't get in the business to design better point-of-sale systems. They did it because they like to make good food. Throughout the conference call, Darden's executives kept coming back to their technological prowess, which is bountiful. Olive Garden's not going to be the next Microsoft, but they have the resources to turn on a dime. Scale means that if Darden needs to be a tech company for a little bit, it can be a tech company for a little bit. Small operators will never have that luxury. Olive Garden had a protocol for 25% of tables open and a protocol for 50% of tables open. Meanwhile, independent restaurants are just be trying to figure out what works. Then, after the seats were ripped out, Olive Garden was able to gauge how many customers came to the restaurants and couldn't get in, and so ordered takeout instead. Uh, and, 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 of course, the entire chain that happened. Again, not something smaller players can duplicate. They can't even guess how much food they need on hand. They end up throw, having to throw a huge amount of it away because they didn't guess how many would come that night. Third big difference, Darden's ready right now for the downfall of its competitors. Management acknowledged that most urban restaurants are in real trouble, and Darden's prepared to pounce when they start closing. Before COVID, the company said it couldn't really justify building new restaurants in Manhattan because it was just too expensive. Now, though, they said they see terrific opportunities in both Manhattan and other major urban areas. Here it comes. Think about that. A lot of great real estate's about to open up as your favorite local bars and restaurants go under. Now, I actually love Olive Garden. I like to go there with my daughter. She's a vegetarian. It's a great place to eat. But I don't want to live in a future where it's just Olive Garden for as far as the eye can see. What could reverse the trend? Well, it's pretty simple. We need a deal in Washington. I know Treasury Secretary Mnuchin has repeatedly pleaded for more help from Congress to prop up the restaurant and hospitality industries because he knows, he actually knows what's going on in this country. He did it again today. As it relates to the restaurant and broader hospitality industries, we think those industries don't need more debt. What they need is economic relief because they're shut down as a result of COVID. Amen. But for that to happen, the Democrats in the House and the Republicans in the Senate need to cooperate with each other uh, less than six weeks before an election. Now, I'm not going to hold my breath. This rally in Darden today says there is no compromise to be had. Again, though, you wouldn't know it by looking at the overall averages because the stock market's mostly insulated from the worst parts of the COVID economy. Unfortunately, without some help from Congress, you better believe most independent restaurants will not be able to hold out. I know mine can't. Sadly, they can't. Bad news for the economy for this whole wholesale decline of all restaurants. But great news for publicly traded companies with scale to thrive in this environment. That's why I think Darden stock is still a buy, 
even after today's run. That's the takeaway of this piece. How do you put a price earnings multiple in the only chain other than maybe Brink or Parent of Chili's that has staying power in an industry that's been uniquely destroyed by COVID, the sit-down restaurant industry? All I know is the stock deserves to go higher. And the longer the pandemic goes on, the more attractive it gets. Look, sit-down restaurants are always going to be superfluous. That's the issue. You can cook your own food. I like that General Mills stock yesterday or McCormick. You can get takeout. You can get delivery. They certainly don't impact the stock market, but they absolutely impact your day-to-day life. And if all these smaller operators go under at the same time, they'll impact the broader economy, too. The bottom line, in a world where you can get Olive Garden's five-cheese ZD Alfarno, not the Alfredo, but the Alfarno, delivered right to your car for $16.99. How's the little guy supposed to compete without a second bailout from Washington for this industry? We're headed for a world with just a couple of big restaurant chains and very few individual proprietors. You want variety? Take it up with Congress. Brian in New Jersey. Brian! Jim, thanks for all your time and advice. I Thank know you. banks are bad. I know banks are bad. I listened to you last week, but Goldman Sachs had a big second quarter earnings beat, was a little concerned about the 1.59 provision for credit losses. However, we did get the big upgrade from UBS today. Where do you see this stock trading going into third quarter earnings? We think it goes higher, but Chapel Trust has been buying it consistently on the way down, bought some the other day. Why? Because Goldman is much more of a transaction bank, much less of a bank that's going to have all sorts of worries with companies that are going to go under. And I think that that's not being reflected in the stock at 10 to 11 times earnings. So I think Goldman is a good buy at 0.9% tangible book and a number that could be very similar to the fantastic number we saw from Jeffries today. Let's go to Sylvia in Florida. Sylvia. Hi, Jim. First time caller. Long time follower, though. Excellent. My question is Panbell. Panbell through CCL. I own three, own 3,000 shares of, as long as Norwegian, I know you love. Bought it on 9.4 after I sold it the day before it made a nice deal with it. But on 9.4, I bought it for 18.49. Okay. And I've been looking at it and looking at it, and it's just, it, it, you think it's a long piece, it's a short thing, what do I this do with it? The, the cruise carnival. Okay. Um, I don't, the one I do like is, is, is Norwegian because they have more money. They can ride us out. I can't recommend a cruise stock right now because it just keeps getting pushed out when they're ready to go. They're all fine operators, and they're loved. And I think cruises will come back, roaring back, and I do like them. But right now is not the time. I wouldn't buy any more. Maybe it bounces, but I don't want to get your hopes up. I need to go to Mike in Illinois. Mike, Mike, Mike. Jimmy Cole. What's happening? First-time caller. I okay. got a quick question for you here. I've been kind of getting involved in the health sector. I invested in Humana at 233 a few months back. Do you think it's time to cash out and run to the bank? I would. As we get closer to the election, these stocks are going to trade down. And we've been seeing that. Now, Humana is really unbelievable company. And I just don't want you. I would sell half. I don't want you to give back a game because I know, I mean, we're talking with, I, I know United Health is one of my favorites too. And some of the other people I was on Scott Wapner's show the other day. But I think politically, you got to be really careful these next six weeks. I don't want to own Humana right now. All right. Winners on a day like today tell you everything you need to know about the losers in the broader economy. Without a second bailout from Washington, we're not going to have a lot of variety when we sit down and go out to dinner. Oh, man, what tonight? Most people don't get a day without 
handling an NVIDIA or ARM-based product, but they may not know it. I'm eyeing the combination and what it means for the tech sector. Then with flu season right around the corner and the U.S. death toll from COVID-19 continuing to go up, I'm talking with one company working to, to help combat a potential twin damage. Don't sit, don't miss, please don't miss my sit down with Sanofi. And I'm talking Abbott's rapid COVID-19 tests and my Super Bowl demons. Oh, I'm sorry, I mean dreams. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC. do with the stock of NVIDIA now that it's trying to buy ARM Holdings, the British semiconductor design company with a ton of smartphone exposure. When we first learned about this cash and stock deal a week and a half ago, the largest semiconductor merger in history, <laughs> NVIDIA stock roared higher, getting more than 5% in a single session. Since then, though, the market's been flooded with red-hot tech IPOs. And NVIDIA stock has sold off hard because it's exactly the kind of high flyer that money managers sell, 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 when they need to raise capital to buy, 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 an initial public offering in another high flyer. I actually like this pullback, though. I like it. I think NVIDIA stock is a terrific buy right here if, and it's big if, if you believe it can close on arm. The deal would be a game changer, assuming it, it's allowed to go through. Combining NVIDIA's terrific gaming and data center platform with ARM's massive smartphone and processor ecosystem, put them both together, and you have got the undisputed king of the semiconductor industry. But a lot of people are worried here because we don't actually know if they can complete the deal. There are a ton of potential obstacles here, and they'll have to get regulatory approvals all over the globe. Regular viewers know that I've loved NVIDIA for ages. Now, I renamed my late dog Everest after the company, Everest actually had a pass to get into NVIDIA's headquarters. Do you have one of these? But the stock had a massive run this year, and without ARM holdings, the story is just not as compelling. Thanks to the recent sell-off, though, you're now getting the ARM deal pretty much for free. And I've got to tell you, I think NVIDIA can pull this off. Last Monday, right after the news broke, I spoke to CEO Jensen Wong on Squawk on the Street. And Jensen told a monster good tale of synergies and industry dominance. You've got to remember, NVIDIA recently acquired Mellanox for more data center exposure. And that transaction that was held up for ages by Chinese regulators. Lots of people wrote the Mellanox deal off. But Jensen repeatedly told us on Mad Money that he'd get it done. He just had to be patient. Sure enough, he delivered. And since then, the stock's been a magnificent performer. I learned not to doubt the hard-charging, leather-jacket-clad genius who's unfailingly polite 
genuinely funny and loved by his employees. Even his competitors like the guy. So before we get into the nitty gritty of what Arm Holdings means in video, I want to make it clear that you bet against Jensen Wong and his team at your own peril. Of course, betting, betting the deal gets done is also a gamble. But let's think about the potential payoff. Arm Holdings is an incredible asset. Arm's always been a little different. While their technology is integral to the mobile and Internet of Things revolution, the company's not technically a chip maker. They don't manufacture anything. Instead, Arm designs technology and then licenses it out to all sorts of other semiconductor companies. See, years ago, Arm came up with a better architecture for processors. They designed a chip that's much more energy efficient than the processors you'll find in most companies, most computers, which allowed their technology to take the mobile market by storm. These days, their tech is in everything. Autonomous cars, the Internet of Things, smart home devices, all sorts of automation, and of course, your smartphones and tablets and some computers. Arm is basically an arms dealer to the entire semiconductor and device industry. They license their chip architecture, and then they, their clients can add stuff on top of that for specific application. Oh, it's a fabulous business, which is why NVIDIA is willing to pay up for it. They're giving SoftBank, Arm's current owner, $12 billion in cash on top of $21.5 billion in stock, which is roughly what SoftBank paid four years ago. And SoftBank poured a ton of money into Arm after the acquisition, making it a much better company than before it went private. They're also a $5 billion earnout construct, cash or stock, that goes to SoftBank as long as Arm has certain finan- hit certain financial targets. And on top of that, NVIDIA is issuing $1.5 billion of stock to Arm employees. When you add it all up, now we're talking a $40 billion deal. You know what? I think it's worth every penny. And the market clearly agrees, which is why NVIDIA rallied so hard when the news was announced. When I spoke to Jensen, he raved about this business. Listen to this. Arm is an extraordinary company. This is, this is the company that built the world's most popular CPU. It is uh, it has built 180 billion units uh, over over its course of its history. 22 billion of it just last year, and and so it's they're in everything. They're in everything. They're in everything. So Jensen wants to take Nvidia's phenomenal artificial intelligence technology, which is the most important technology in the world right now, and basically fuse it with ARM's processor architecture and map it all up, of course, with what Nvidia has. So here's the pitch. If we could leverage their business model, if we could stand on the network that they've, they've created and take the technology we've invented and put it into that channel and make them available to their thousands of partners, the economics for us would be incredible. In other words, the two businesses are complementary, and yes, it would be lucrative. The combined company will be able to offer customers a full-stack solution. NVIDIA has powerful graphics processors coupled with ARM CPUs. We're talking about all this computing power for a given device in a single package that doesn't generate a lot of heat. According to NVIDIA, their ability to offer a full-stack solution could create a $250 billion opportunity by 2023. Tesla's not even saying that, okay? If they can get the deal done, NVIDIA will be able uh, to, to the 2020s what Intel was to the 1990s. Yes, that is the analogy. In 1990s, Intel was quite sainted. Can they get it done? On the one hand, ARM's not really a competitor. When it comes to antitrust, that's normally a pretty good argument. However, so much of the world runs on ARM's technology that any change to their business model would have massive ramifications, and that's bound to make some regulators nervous. NVIDIA's chips already have near monopoly on cloud-based artificial intelligence, but that's just because of sheer brain power. ARM would give them even more clout. 
This deal makes them the king of the data center. Some regulators may not like that either, especially overseas, even as it might make the data centers run less hot, quicker, and better. And that should matter, right? On top of that, some of ARM's existing customers might not be too thrilled. I mean, they got into bed with a company that simply licenses out technology. They didn't get in bed with another chip maker. <coughs> Excuse me. NVIDIA say, uh, said they won't mess with ARM's business model. And I think they can solve this problem by putting that in writing. Codify uh, the open licensing model as part of the antitrust approval process. Hey, speaking of antitrust, the argument here is that an NVIDIA-ARM combo would simply be too powerful, even though they're not direct competitors. Too much concentration. But when I spoke to Jensen, he sounded confident they'll be able to get regulatory approval even in more hostile jurisdictions overseas, although it might take some time. I'm betting this thing doesn't close. It, it might take 18 months. Look, geez, it could take two years, but it's worth it. Finally, you got to worry about China. The last time NVIDIA tried to make a big acquisition, that was that Mellanox deal. It got held up for over a year because the Chinese authorities wanted to use it as a bargaining chip in the trade war. Well, that could happen again. But you know what? There were countless bears who publicly stated that NVIDIA had no shot at all of getting Chinese approval in the middle of a constantly escalating trade war. They pronounced the Mellanox deal dead. They turned out to be dead wrong. And now NVIDIA has a lot more experience navigating China's regulatory apparatus. Plus, look, if Joe Biden wins the election in November, these trade wars... Those worries, I think, go out the window. Here's the bottom line. If NVIDIA can close on ARM holdings, the stock's going to be unstoppable, even after its magnificent multi-year run. I think Jensen Wong can eventually make it happen. But what if I'm wrong? Look, the stock was at 486 before the ARM news, and it's only at 494 now. I like that risk award, even as the stock stood at just $172 one year ago. Okay, we got much more mad money, including my sit-down with Sanofi. Uh, how is the company positioning itself in the COVID-19 vaccine race? I've got the exclusive. Then, do your stocks have what it takes to survive the unknowns in this market? I'll be the judge of that when we play MI Diversified. It's been a while. And how about Abbott Labs uh, bringing back normalcy to the country? I think it can happen, but you got to stay with Kramer. waiting for a vaccine right now, and there's a good chance it'll come from Sanofi. That's the French pharmaceutical giant. Here's a company that's working on not one, but two COVID vaccine candidates, including one where they're partnered with arch-rival GlaxoSmithKline. These are two of the most storied, established vaccine makers on Earth. It's very encouraging to see them teaming up. Beyond COVID, Sanofi's a turnaround story. See, a little over a year ago, Paul Hudson took over with a mandate to breathe new life into what some thought was a sleepy drug company. While under his leadership, Sanofi sold its massive $13 billion stake in Regeneron, and they're using that money to make a series of bold-on acquisitions, like the $3.7 billion Principia Biopharma deal we learned about just last month. The company's also sitting on a potential blockbuster. That's Dupixin. That's for inflammatory diseases like atopic dermatitis. It's a kind of eczema and a lot of other things, asthma. And this is a, a drug that's developed by, uh, by none other than Regeneron. There's a lot going on here. So I was thrilled to check in with Paul Hudson, the CEO of Sanofi, earlier today. I want you to take a look. Mr. Hudson, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim. Great to talk to you again. Happy to be here. Well, I have to tell you, this must be an incredible time at your company. You're working on not just one, but two vaccines. You are the best, I'd say, acknowledged at vaccines. Where are we? Because I know that what you do is what I want to trial. 
You know, uh, thanks for the compliments. You know, we're an incredible company. We have tens of thousands of people working on vaccines, and we're going to produce over a billion doses of vaccine worldwide for COVID-19. We are already in human studies. We're adding, we're manufacturing doses pretty much right now, and we'll be available some point early next year. We need to play our part, right? There's such a big pressure on everybody, but I can tell you we're doing it the right way to high standards, and we're going to play a big part in helping get people back to normal. I hope that because people, if they know your company, they would know that you weren't pressured into doing anything too soon, that it is your stock in trade, and that basically uh, we should all, if you let us, trial it. It's almost our duty. Do you think it's our duty to trial? You know what, Jim? We have been making vaccines for over 100 years. We haven't changed anything in the way we do things. We've just accelerated. You know, we need to be there. We need to be safe and effective. We're the only big uh, vaccine maker making a vaccine on a platform that we've used year in, year out, and that we've already approved vaccines on. We're doing it in partnership with GSK, another global, you know, absolute top quality company. Between us, what we're bringing forward will be the very best we have. We wouldn't have it any other way. We don't feel pressure. We feel pressure to get it right, to maintain the standards and to play a big part in helping people get back to normal. Paul, is it possible that people will take more than one company's vaccine? And also, it would seem that your vaccine may not just be one shot because you'd like a booster, too. We know it's too early to tell, right? I think uh, what's really important to do is set high standards, get them in large quantities. You know, and I think we shouldn't forget also, Jim, at this time of year, as we go into an influenza season, we have the chance, sadly, of a twindemic, right? We have influenza and we potentially have COVID-19. And we want to remind everybody, get the flu shot, see your healthcare professional, get into Walmart, you know, get into CVS, uh, and uh, and the other big players like Walgreens and go there. It's safe. Get vaccinated. We're making more influenza doses than we've ever made before and making them available worldwide. So let's all play our part. Right. Exactly. And the other thing that I know you were, you know, you've done some series of remarkable acquisitions and tackling some some uh, tough to tough to to beat diseases, but you also had a great yeah. partnership. We'll do, still do with Regeneron. I think this depicts and take me, take the air out of my balloon. I think it's a top five drug in history. You know what? I certainly feel like it's once in a generation. When you meet patients that have taken it, it's incredible what we're doing in asthma, in atopic dermatitis, you know, in eosinophilic esophagitis, chronic spontaneous urticaria. You know, the list goes on and we may even get to add COPD. This is the real deal. This is what people really need if they're struggling. And, you know, frankly, our partnership with Regeneron is high quality. You know, Len and the team, we've got the ambition to be over 10 billion euros or 11 billion dollars, but stood on the top of transforming lives. And you're dead right when you say, you know, we've made some acquisitions. We've added Synthorex last year because we want to be a big player and the backbone in immuno-oncology with our IL-2. We hope we're about to close our Principia deal, bringing the BTK in play for multiple sclerosis and another BTK and other illnesses. 35 other potentially transformational medicines or indications coming. Hey, and what's going on at Sanofi is pretty cool right now. It's all about transformation. It's all about culture. It's all about bringing everything through so that we we get that practice changing medicine. It's a big deal for us. It's huge. And we're really proud of the progress we're making. I want to quote you because I want people to understand you and your company. 
You talk about no matter what, particularly this is in reference to the COVID-19 vaccine, but I think it's your company. You want to maintain purity of purpose, simplification and problem solving. Is that your your uh, your modus operandi? You know what? No company, I would put it to you, feels closer to its purpose right now. We're the only company with two COVID-19s and we're the, one of the few companies that's kept almost 100% of our clinical studies running to bring these transformational medicines through despite the pandemic and the challenges. How we've used digital and data, we're simply not wavering. We know what our duty is. We know what we must do. And you look, you know, I've just finished my first year as a CEO. I'm seeing a company operating at its absolute best completely purpose-driven, purity of purpose. So I get it that you would say that about us. It feels that way. And of course, we need to keep that and maintain that long after. We're an important story happening at Sanofi, a very important one. Super cool people, brilliant innovation, and transformational practice change in medicine. Fantastic. Now, when someone hears that you're going to do a billion vaccines, I think that their first reaction is, that's hyperbole. But I think you have it within your organization that that is actually not some sort of supernatural stretch. You know, this is what's interesting, Jim. You know, we are saying we'll get to about a billion doses for COVID-19. We make about a billion doses of vaccine every year and have done for a very long time. Hundreds of millions of influenza doses, meningitis, yellow fever, rabies. We simply know what we're doing. And that's why we're excited about our approach in COVID-19. Because let's be frank, we're using a platform that we use every year. So we know how to do it. No, we're, we know what to do. And we're moving at speed. And I'm really impressed by the team and everything they're bringing forward every day. If you're in the general public and you're thinking, what are we doing? What are companies doing? I tell you, if you were inside this place right now, you'd be blown away by the passion energy enthusiasm. Well, my doctor is a doctor who is uh, he's a CBS doctor. OK. And he said, you've got yeah. to get into one of these trials. He felt that your trial may not be right now available to Americans. So we're in phase one, two, right? We won't be in phase three until November, most likely December. And, you know, you should put your hand up uh, because it's very important uh, that everybody steps in. You know, we want to be fast. Uh, but all of the companies in their studies, we wish everybody well. You know, I've said right from the very beginning, this isn't a race we need to win. This is everybody needs to play a part. We know how this is impacting everybody. We know the tragedy. If you can play your part, play your part. And, you know, Jim, maybe you can play your part, too. Oh, you bet I will. I mean, this is uh, um, this. Is, I feel like this is a mission at my age. Do everything I can. You're doing everything you can. I want to go back to the picture because it's got COPD. We have had uh, ResMed on. OK, it's atopic dermatitis. People don't know exactly how big that is, but it is huge. Asthma. My my child had child asthma. We really had nothing other than an inhaler. It seemed like yeah. something from the 19th century. How can one drug so do so many different things? You know, it's an absolute. Absolutely superb question. You know, for those patients with the severity of diseases, you know, one of the things that's so incredible and so unique about Dupixin is it acts on type 2 inflammation. It doesn't just tackle one element, one inflammatory biomarker, one cytokine. It really goes after blockading everything that causes the itch, the inflamed skin, the wheeziness, the nasal polyps. I mean, it really knows 
how to treat inflammation. And there are a lot of people going to be servicing, trying to play their part. But, you know, I think mechanistically, we're going to be out on our own for a very long time. And yeah, inhalers, and they play a huge and important part for the moderate to severe populations whose lives are severely compromised. We're there, right? We're absolutely there and going to play our part in that transformation of them and their lives. Well, I think that as much as we need it here, when I consider the air quality in China, I know you are doing incredibly well there. This drug is a must for people who are having air quality problems. You know, it's funny that you mentioned China because um, we now, I think, hold the record. It wasn't something we expected, but we went from being approved to actually being delivered to healthcare professional, uh, professionals and onto patients in 25 days. It's never been done before. I was talking to our team in northern France today that put the deal together to get the shipments out there. We did it in record speed. Again, incredible innovation in this company. But the number of patients struggling with these type 2 driven diseases, whether it's asthma, whether it's atopic dermatitis in China, is significant. And we're going to have the first major breakthrough. We're likely to be on our own uh, in, in the lead as well for a considerable period of time. We hope to be reimbursed in the upcoming months. And that's game changing for patients and also for us as a company. It's so much opportunity to transform lives and to help uh, continue the transformation and keep gathering momentum here at Sanofi. Well, sir, I, I truly appreciate you coming on Mad Money. Sanofi's uh, a company that's on the move. We had, uh, there's been previous CEOs. Uh, we got, finally got the one. I think we got, who's going to stay, right? He's going to stay. Hey. <laughs> kind of you to say, of course I am. We have so many good things happening here. I'm privileged and humbled to be part of it. Keep watching us. We're going to do our best for COVID-19 and then keep moving. All right. Thank you so much. That's Paul Hudson from Santa Fe. Now, just so you know, I have liked this stock for a very long time, and I like what's happening at the company now. Stay with me. First, apologies. We haven't done this in a long time. Diversification is the only free lunch in this market, and that's why we play Am I Diversified. This is where you call me, you tell me your top five holdings, I tell you if your portfolio is diversified, maybe you can mix it up a little. First up, we've got a tweet from Gary. He's at MillZ3951. He did not ask for Jimmy Chill. He went directly to me. He says, at Mad Money on CBC at Jim Kramer, Shopify, Disney, Abbott Labs, Clorox, Honda, Am I Diversified. All right, let's take a look at this one. Okay, we have an internet enabler of small to medium-sized businesses to do well. The finest entertainment company in the world. One of the great device companies of all time. Maybe one of the great consumer packaged goods companies of all time. And an auto company. Auto, internet, entertainment, medical, CPG. I say perfection. All right, why don't we go to Ari? Oh, Ari in Illinois. Ari. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. The Chill Man's here. Let's go. This is Ari from Double Doink, Chicago. Thanks for all you do. Long time listener, first time caller. Thank you. Um, I want to know, <laughs> know if I'm diversified. Microsoft, PayPal, NVIDIA, Activision, Blizzard. And my last one, is there more room to run with Wingstop? Huh. Huh. Okie dokie. Um... Well, we do have a bit of an issue here. Uh, we have a lot of tech. 
but I'm going to call it fintech. But there's no denying Microsoft software and NVIDIA is a, is a chip maker. You could argue that they are two alike and that maybe you need to have what we had right there with a you, maybe you need an Abbott Labs. OK, but you got a gaming company, the Activision Blizzard, which is terrific. Uh, PayPal is fintech. Don't I thought that article today about Venmo was ridiculous. Wingstop is one of the great stories for restaurants in this era. Why? Because there's no sit down. And then the Microsoft uh, NVIDIA conundrum of which I would. I like them both so much, it's hard for me to, put, to intercede by putting Abbott in there. I think you're fine, but just be aware that Microsoft and NVIDIA do trade together, even though they shouldn't because of these moronic ETFs that merge everything. Okay, how about we go to Jacqueline in my home state of New Jersey. Jacqueline! Hey, Jim. Jackie. Thank you, thank you, thank you for everything you do. You oh, do you. not know you... I, I'm a first-time caller, and I've been watching you since the pandemic. You've helped me tremendously. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jack. I, I manage my elderly uncle funds as well as my own, and I cannot tell you how you've saved us. So please, wow. please continue. Oh, uh, you're you've very done kind. wonderful for me. See, I worked really hard today. I got up really early. I do a lot of stuff. And then when I hear this, I say, okay, that's why I do it. Thank you. Let's yeah, go to work. I got to tell you. I got to tell you. I love you for this. Ah, My call is regarding the fact that I do index funds primarily, but I do like having some stocks because index funds trickle, trickle, trickle. Right. So I wanted to ask, if I'm diversified enough with these few that I have, I have others, but I'm trying to consolidate. Okay, that's all right. The ones I would like to keep are Amazon, Apple, Lockheed Martin, BlackRock, and I have Elf Beauty, but I want to see if I should add something in, you know, in place of that or keep just adding to these positions. Well, let's go to work. And first of all, I think your, your, your solution, which is a two-step one, which is index fund first and then individual stocks, is what I preach. I think that's absolutely perfect. When we take a look at these, where's my TikTok music? Thank you. Jacqueline, I think you're doing absolutely great. BlackRock is one of the best financials. Larry Fink runs it. Apple may be the greatest technology company of all time. Amazon is a retailer with a web service. What can I say? They're so great. Lockheed Martin, candidly, not my favorite my favorite defense stock. Not, but it's still pretty good. And ELF, Eyes of the Face, I think they made a great story, cosmetic story this week. I think you're in terrific shape with that with a defense company, cosmetics, financial, tech, and retail. Oh, you're doing fabulous. And the words, you don't know what they mean to me. It's a very long day for a variety of reasons. And now I feel like it's a short day and um, joyous. Stick with Craig. It is time. It's time the light and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dance over the lightning round. We're so with Beverly in New Jersey. Beverly. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. Should I buy BTAI? You know, this is the kind of buy. It's got all the great buzzwords. It's biopharma. It's artificial intelligence. And the reason why I'm going to say that it's okay is because it can be your one speculation. I'm willing to have everyone have one speculation that can be yours. Let's go to Marty in Washington. Marty! Yes, booyah, Professor Kramer. First time, long time. I'm All actually right. in the valley. Excellent. What's going on? 
Hey, this healthcare company is transforming the way therapeutics and materials are discovered by using artificial intelligence. They beat on earnings and revenue in August, but the market didn't like the quarter. The stock's down 50% from its July high. And then last month, they issued they announced they're issuing 5 million more shares. Is this a buying opportunity for Schrodinger, SDGR? No, no, I, I'm not like this company. I, I don't really get the attraction to it. It doesn't really have the, it, you know, it's just not a great company. What can I say? And you, all the reasons you just gave. Let's go. To, they can come on and tell me otherwise. That's always fun. Let's go to Ann in Tennessee. Ann. Hey, Jim. Uh, Robin Hooder and fellow Harvard alum here. Oh, excellent. Pass the 77. Um, so. It's great to talk to you. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Chinese company Dada today. Oh, I know Dada. And I, look, I am recommending Alibaba. I'm actually saying buy Alibaba aggressively. But that's about all I want to do with China. I mean, I, I think JD's pretty good, too, but that's enough for me in the midst of a trade war. Let's go to Joe in Texas. Joe. Oh, yeah, Jim. This is Joe in Houston. Thank you for taking my call. You are a great American. Oh, thank thank you. you for thank all you. you do for investors. Thank you. Hey, my wife is a nursing hero with the Hospital Corporation of America, and we would love to hear your thoughts on HCA. Oh, okay, here's the problem with HCA. Uh, and you can tell from your wife, frontline person, there has just been tremendous turmoil. Uh, it's very expensive to run a hospital right now. Uh, and they're not going to get any breaks, I think, from either party. So I don't want to yet, as you go into the election, don't it? That said, 10 times earnings, but people think the estimates are too high. So it could probably go lower. Nick in Virginia. Nick. Yeah, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. With more people staying home, they want to feel safe and secure. This company recently announced a partnership with Google, but the stock price is pulled back. Is now the time to buy ABT. I don't like that company. I don't think it's run very well, and I think a lot of the companies offer those kinds of services. I think that is a commodity. I'm going to say, no, you don't want to own it. It's been dribbling down ever since they made that announcement. It's been on a one-way ticket. I'm going to David in North Carolina. David! We are Jim, big yes. fan of the show, first-time caller. Okay. Trying to get your thoughts on starting a new position in 5-9. Well, look, it is the best contact call center. We've had them on a number of times. Every time I'm impressed, every time I know that they do tremendous value. I can't believe they're actually not taken over by someone because it does work with a lot of other companies that need contact cloud centers. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Can we go back to normal before we have a vaccine? If everything goes smoothly, I expect one by the end of the first quarter of next year, although that's still a long wait, too long. Look, I firmly believe we'll get a vaccine eventually. I spoke to Santa Fe earlier today about their partnership with GlaxoSmithKline, come up with something. I'm trying to get myself into the J&J vaccine trial that was announced yesterday. Unfortunately, it takes a long time to know whether any of these vaccines actually work. You have to give it to people and then wait to see if they get infected. Plus, even if we do get a COVID vaccine, we can't assume everyone will take it. Our government hasn't exactly done a real good job with the pandemic, and the whole issue has become politicized. Suboptimal. But what if there's another option? Abbott Labs has a rapid antigen test, okay? It's called Bina Now. Binax Now. B-I-N-A-X, then capital N-O-W. Buy next now. And it's coupled with an app. I'm going to show you the app for a second. Uh, it's coupled with a thing called the, the Navica app. And this shows you if you, well, let's say if it shows you that you uh, have no COVID, you'll be able to want it and get into where you otherwise might not be able to. 
Yes, it shows you if it's safe to be admitted to public spaces. Right now, it's hard to find these 15-minute tests that go into Navica because the government's devouring all the supply. The Fed's ordered 150 million of them. That's pretty much everything Abbott makes. But hopefully, Abbott can ramp up production because this is exactly what we need. The process is easy. You go to a clinic or pharmacy, they take that nasal swab, not a hard one, and wipe it on a card like a credit card. And then in 15 minutes, you know you got COVID. 97% accuracy. Whole thing costs five bucks. That's a lot cheaper than the on-the-spot $250 test that United will be offering for customers flying to Hawaii. No, thank you. Even better, the results will be downloaded to Abbott's Navica app, which gives you a QR code to show that you, that you tested negative. Why doesn't United just adapt, adapt Navica? We get enough of these tests out there, and we could reopen just about everything, so long as customers have to scan that QR code before they get in. Bars, football games, offices, my restaurants, and most importantly, schools. There's no way to safely reopen schools without a mass testing. And I think that's a big part of the reason why cases are rising again, but also a big reason why the feds bought all those test kits from Abbott, I think, to give them to the schools. Once Abbott Labs gets fully up to speed, though, this is going to be the game changer. I'm telling you this. They're spending hundreds of millions of dollars right now to mass produce these test kits in huge factories all over this country. By October, management says they can make 50 million of them per month. Once we have enough, the drug stores can take over. Yeah, they don't have to keep giving the feds and make the tests available to everyone. By the way, the pharmacist is allowed to give the test. You don't need a doctor. Honestly, I wish they were making 300 million a month because, well, then everything would open. But it's a start. So here's what I envision. First, and this is the most impossible thing I'm going to be saying all week. The Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. Lost half the people immediately. Even though I've been incredibly disciplined about protecting myself from the virus, some would say insanely disciplined, I would absolutely go to the Super Bowl because I'm a total knucklehead birds fanatic. Hopefully by Super Bowl weekend in February, everyone will have downloaded the Navica app. It didn't cost me anything. And the airports, the stadiums, everyone's going to have Navica screeners. So what am I going to do? The day before I go to the airport to fly to Tampa Bay, I'm going to go to my CVS around the, around the block. I'm going to get the Abbott non-invasive 15-minute test. The results will be uploaded to my phone by the time I walk home. You might have heard that you need to have some reason in order to take the test, but I think I got, everyone's got plenty of reasons. And if you can't get tested legitimately, well, all you got to do is say, well, hey, listen, I am worried about a colleague's cough, because you are. I get my results within 15 minutes. They go to the Navica app. All right. You with me so far? Uh, and then I get to the airport the next day. What happens? Well, again, I just want it. Get on the plane, assuming I test negative. Then when I get to the stadium, what happens? I just want it. It gets me to the big game. And while we're being optimistic, let's assume the Eagles beat the Patriots for the second time in four years. And after that, I'm going to wand it into Disney World and get right in. Of course, there's a catch. Because the test is only 97% effective, you still need to wear a mask. But 97% is a heck of a lot better than 0%, which is the current standard. Why did this actually happen? Listen, if everything goes right, I think it's a real possibility. Although when it comes to COVID, our country's track record tells us anything that can go wrong will go wrong. But in theory, all this is possible. We have the technology, people, right now. I just don't know if we have the will or the organization. But if we do, this economy is going to get a heck of a lot better much faster because of Navica, because of Abbott Labs, and you'll want to be there in the stock market when it does. Hmm. Eagles. I think the Eagles are going to win. Stick with Kramer. After the close today, Costco reported a very good quarter, as they are wont to do. Said all the things we want, but the problem is they already report bi-monthly, so nobody was surprised. And when you're not surprised, then what happens is the stock goes down in this environment. I suggest for those who do not own Costco and have always wanted to get in it, 
that tomorrow might be the day to buy some. Like I said, as always, a bull market summer. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mid Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I'll see you tomorrow. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.